What is the time that I noticed a racist idea within my consciousness? And how did I respond? I remember last week I was out running. I normally break up the workday by going on runs, and there's a stream about a mile from our apartment here, live in Baltimore City. You can even pause and notice, do I have judgments or stereotypes towards Baltimore City? You likely will find them if you pause here. And as I was running on this trail, I noticed some young uh, adults, maybe high school aged. It was a group of around three to four of them, and they were they were people of color. So they I perceived them to be black young males, but I don't know their race or ethnicity. Um, this is the race making that is going on as I'm running, right? As I'm running, I'm starting to break people into large groups. And as I am running, I'm becoming aware of suspicion in the back of my mind. You know, here's this trail that I'm about to go on. I have my AirPods in, they're kind of noise canceling. I can't really hear anything behind me. So I start to notice fear of violence. You know, these young adults who are just walking, school probably just got let out, they had backpacks on, and yet I'm wondering if they're going to rob me. And so what happens in those moments, and it all happens so quick that if you're not paying attention, you'll miss these racist ideas within your consciousness, and then there will be behaviors that are acted out that are harmful. And so as I'm running, I become aware of a sense of wanting to run faster, a sense of wanting to turn around and look, right? That looking is an aggression because it is stemming from these false perceptions, these false ideas, these judgments, these stereotypes that these black young males are violent, that they're doing something wrong. There's criminal activity here, right? These are stereotypes perpetuated by our culture, the mass media. It's endless, the source of these aggressions. And so as I'm running, I'm becoming aware of this urge to turn around and I'm, you know, I'm conscious of, okay, these are racist ideas. So the practice of anti-oppression is being aware of in the present moment, which is why mindfulness is so important because mindfulness is present focused attention. So if I'm in the present moment, I become aware of these thoughts and I don't engage in the actions, which is acting out the aggressions. And so Yes, I was aware of that strong urge to turn around, but I didn't. So I started to actually slow down because I was worried that, and, and I started to look in my periphery for shadows, right? Is someone going to come up behind me and club me? You can start to see how violent this is, how the fantasy of the mind is creating this narrative that is false. It's not based in reality, and yet it is having a response within the body, the heart, and the mind. I'm just running on this tra trail, right? So as I become aware of these thoughts, I specifically name, this is the practice, I specifically name, these are racist thoughts. These are racist ideas. That would be a racist action. And so I, as I start to name, I, there's a sense of becoming aware and conscious of these stereotypes. And I can start to actually slow down. And I physically slowed myself down and stepped into that discomfort in naming that this is racism. 
this act of wanting to run faster or to turn around, this is, this is racism. So being aware of and conscious of those thoughts is an important practice and naming and describing them when you see them is also one way that I practice anti-racism. And the next question that I want to dive into, there's three questions for this podcast, is describing the most recent example of racism that I noticed within our society. So an idea, policy, or behavior. About a couple months ago, I drove for Lyft, and I gave 220 rides all across Baltimore City, from north to south to east to west. And there's a boatload of insight about racism from this experience, really. And the thing that stands out the most from a systemic perspective is that as you drive through different neighborhoods, because Lyft just takes you wherever, you start to see the massive amount of inequality in the infrastructure, from buildings to lack of buildings to no grocery stores to the roads being just riddled with potholes to there not really being lines on roads or working working street lights or just boarded up houses you start to see the massive amount of inequality and this stems from as we know laws it stems from people that have created these zones of mass, really unequal distribution of wealth and resources. So as I drove through all of these neighborhoods, there was just a massive amount of a lack of public transportation. People couldn't get to a doctor's appointment. People couldn't get to their job. The bus didn't show up. The bus was late. I had to take three buses and this bus didn't come, so I had to call a lift. And as you drive through these neighborhoods, there's just... You just think to yourself about access, right? How there isn't access to basic human needs, running water, how there isn't access to food, uh, shelter, uh, mental health care, hospitals, doctors, nurses. So all of this infrastructure that can really support people in thriving is non-existent within these spaces and communities, and that is intentional. So that was the most recent example of just kind of the eyes are open, but opening them a little wider and really getting to see and witness, uh, one, my fear of going into these neighborhoods. So I'll name and acknowledge that I have a lot of fear of traveling into different areas of Baltimore because of racist ideas and the systems that have failed, that have just failed. These systems are made by people. So we can change these systems, which is where there is hope. And then the the third question is describing a time when you interacted with another person or a group of people and were witness to a racist idea, behavior, or action, and you remain neutral. So I remember in my mindfulness training, this is throwing a couple years back now, we were it was the opening retreat and we were all sitting in a circle and, and it was a majority white space because the mindfulness movement has largely failed in terms of really grassroots, um, creating a really diverse network of mindfulness teachers, mindfulness leaders within organization. And there is a lot of change happening, but within this space, right, a program that costs $7,000, who can afford a program like that? 
and, and so in this space, you know, you're sitting, we're sitting in a circle and there's about four of us, uh, three white people and uh, an Asian identified person. And as we were talking and exchanging and we were doing a lot of sitting practices, so like focusing on the breath, cultivating awareness for the present moment, we came together and we started to talk and exchange in our experiences. And this uh, Asian identified person was talking and as they finished up sharing their experience and you probably know where this is, is this is going if, if you've done a good amount of anti-oppression work is the white identified person said wow your your English is just so great just so well spoken uh, your English is great and in that moment I noticed the discomfort of that statement um, and did nothing. I remained completely neutral and did not challenge the underlying, um, you know, impact. Uh, because often there's this focus on intent. Oh, you know, they're good people. They wouldn't hurt a fly. But there's the impact of words that are exchanged. There's the impact of how that racist idea lives within the body, the heart, the mind, the spirit. And so in that moment, I remained neutral and did not say anything. And there were a number of moments throughout that training that were uh, harmful, that were uh, white people that were, you know, unaware of their biases, their stereotypes, their, their mind, the thought patterns that then leads to harm. And if I were to go back into that moment in time, what would I do differently to be, you know, maybe in an anti-racist role? Well, I, what I want to say is that I would hope that I would challenge that moment. Um, but let's be honest, too often I personally sit in passivity. Uh, and so acknowledging that, I think that accountability of, okay, well, what might I have done? Well, I might have challenged the underlying racism inherent within that statement. And I might also have checked in with the human being that was, you know, that took on that statement of, oh, your English is so good. Your English is so good. I might have checked in with that human being like, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do to support you? I don't want to make it about me, right? I definitely don't want to be the champion the, the, the one that is here to save the day, right? In essence, in that moment, what, what can be done is challenging when you see racism, when, you, when it is expressed and checking in. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to, to challenge. I think if we get into that, is this right or wrong, then we don't do anything, which is where my neutrality, I think, stems from. So those are three questions, and in, this isn't an attempt to offer vulnerability, to lead with awareness, to lead with vulnerability in mind. Uh, at Evolving Minds, you know, my name is Anthony. I haven't introduced myself. Um, you may know me, you may not, but I'm the founder and director of Evolving Minds. The purpose of this podcast is to bring to life one of our core values at Evolving Minds, which is anti-oppression. And to me, anti-oppression work is so important because it is a daily practice. It's a lifelong commitment to waking up and reducing harm, preventing harm 
within the world around us. So this is now the formal end of this podcast. I would encourage you to contemplate these questions, maybe journaling or thinking to yourself, and to keep going within your anti-oppression, anti-racism practice. It's not a one-and-done thing. It's not a webinar that we can check off. It's not a worksheet. It's a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, a lifelong practice of disrupting, dismantling, and disconnecting from harmful systems. This is the practice of mindfulness.